Hello, you found Dogmatically Imperfect Condensed Imperfection, a condensed version of Season 1 episodes in a more digestible time frame. Today's session, unkept, unheard, forgotten, ignored. I've wept and I've screamed and prayed and cried out and pled and had faith and searched heaven for compassion and yelled and then some. And in return, I've seen continued deterioration, no progress, surgery after surgery, and a promise of more surgeries and cavities, because Sarah bites her toothbrush. I can't even brush her teeth properly. And a lifetime of itching, discomfort, bruising, deformed bones, and suffering that will never be expressed in a way that will alleviate the issue because she can't speak or even point to indicate the problem. My prayers, petition, faith, and pleadings have either gone unheard or ignored. And the promises that were given to me in a holy book have either been unkept or forgotten. So the things I learned about a higher calling and denying self and the most fundamental part of any relationship, trust, they've all been shattered. I thought I read, he's faithful even when I'm not. Hmm. I can agree with that thought if I attach his faithfulness to the medical teams that prevented her bodily death and the government programs that that have absorbed every medical bill and dispersed nearly every penny of income that that we have received as a result of the affliction that God could have A, protected her from, Psalms 91, or B, healed her of by his stripes, Isaiah and Peter. To which or to whom should I attach credit for faithfulness even when I'm not faithful? Is this the type of questioning that John the Baptist's father engaged in or the kind that the Virgin Mary engaged in when the angel of the Lord appeared? Is it presumptuous of the lowly created being to expect the Creator to adhere to the promises that the Creator made? Is it beyond audacious to attempt to hold the Creator accountable to those promises of the expression of the Creator's love, goodness, and ability? Does it grieve the Creator when His creation expresses the very emotion that the Creator intentionally baked into the creation? I don't want to have these emotions, right? You gave me these. It puts a very serious question in the heart of a person who sincerely believes that both parents are and were filled with the Spirit, and yet neither were instructed, prompted, or otherwise moved to simply bring Sarah in at any point before the damage was done. The natural and logical next battle, really war, that is waged in the soul of this believer is the war to not feel utterly betrayed to the core by A, the God he was taught to trust, and B, everyone who ever taught him there was such a God. The search then begins, intentional or unintentional, to identify any part of his belief system that can be retained for someone who can be trusted. And the longer this crisis remains, the more the individual arranges their life in such a way to not rely on or even be reminded of those who rely on such a flawed belief system.
So, thanks for the emotions. Thanks for the expectations. Thanks for the need to trust you. Thanks for your unique ability to make me sincerely feel connected, loved, and important. And then the extreme polar opposite end of the spectrum. All while retaining supreme title of perfection and blamelessness. It is a spectacular feat that could only be attained by a deity. Here's a great example of an unwanted thought. If we're created in the image and likeness of the creator and we're flawed. Hmm. Selah. Furthermore, does it not follow that our writings that are held as holy would also be flawed? Selah. Unwanted thoughts born of, under, uh, born of utter disappointment. Please forgive and do not hold these implanted emotions and expressions against the one who is created in the image and likeness of the Creator. These are not the thoughts of an evil, rebellious, corrupt adversary with malicious intent. These are the created, implanted, and expressed emotions of a redeemed, adopted, sincere, flawed, reverent created being who has craved and craves to be the recipient of the generous, merciful, loving, abundant promises that were given but have been left disappointingly, unmercifully, intentionally, unexplicably, heartbreakingly unfulfilled. Alas, my only comfort is this. I suppose if my sincere pleadings, petitions, prayers, tears, faith, and cries have not been heard or persuasive in any way, then these expressions of hurt, pain, and betrayal will sadly have no impact, unless, hopefully not, to punish me further. A truly unworthy expectation from a God who is love. This is, this is real right here. This doesn't even begin to explain what it's like. This is a, this is a fraction of what it's like in here, in my heart. That's a fraction of what it's like. Look, some of you are shocked that I, I could fall prey, right, to this heretic idea. How could this happen? And I'll tell you, it's not because I didn't believe or, have, or, or didn't have faith. In fact, it's quite the opposite. My faith and my reliance of my dogma was so cemented that my reality caused me tremendous anguish. And if I didn't truly believe, if it was just a casual church thing for me or, you know, my circumstances would not put me in this type of crisis. And I do want to address something. If you knew my dad, Pastor Bob Marson, hear what I'm about to say. A couple months before he passed away, I started sharing these ideas with him because I was trying to navigate what it really meant. And I thought I was kind of going kind of crazy because clearly these ideas run contrary to what my dad taught me. And these ideas were bothering me quite a bit. But I'll tell you, they bother me a lot less than trying to reconcile my reality with my faith. And if you listen to episode 000, you'll begin to understand what I mean.
So we spent quite a few hours discussing it. I'll say that he was firmly not yet on board with these thoughts. And I understand how, and I understand why he was not yet persuaded. And let me also say that a large part of the reason why I delayed this show was because I felt like I was turning my back on him and his life's work in ministry. So how then can I justify teaching what my dad would consider to be heretical? I'll tell you why. Throughout his 40 plus years in ministry, he was a friend to the friendless. He was kind to the unkind. He accepted the ones who, re- who were rejected their whole life. He was a father to people who didn't have a father. I talked about this at his memorial. Like I said, he was the most Christ-like person I ever knew. Yeah, he had his faults. But he still embodied the nature of God toward others. I would say he imperfectly embodied the nature of God. But Matthew chapter 7, 9 through 11 is what compels me to put aside my fear of betraying my imperfect dad. I'm going to paraphrase the passage. You can turn there if you want to, but you already know it. You already know it. Jesus said it like this. Some of you are fathers. If your son asks you for some bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks you for a fish, would you give him a snake? Of course not. Look, we all know that you're imperfect compared to God. But even you know how to give good things to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven, who is perfect, give good things to anyone, even when they don't ask? And this is what I choose to be loyal to. The imperfect example of my father as we look at the perfect example of God wrapped in a robe of flesh. So don't make the mistake of thinking that I've betrayed my father. I'm loyal to the love that changed his life, not the dogma it was wrapped in. The love of God is greater than the man-made imperfect conditions that were imposed when it was given. And anything that is contrary to the nature of God, I have to count it as an imperfect human attempt to embody the nature of God. And this includes a very large portion of the dogma my father was given, who innocently and understandably passed it on to me. And I have no fear that God is going to get me for teaching this. Why? Well, first I can say that if Jesus were walking the earth today, I wouldn't advocate that he be put to death. Uh, well, maybe a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> but, but not now. But here's the thing. Even if I were still clinging to a dogma that compelled me to endorse the killing of Jesus, his nature is to forgive me. Whew. Thank you so much for watching. And listening, if you have a question or a comment and you want to reach out, I'm putting the email, how you can reach me in the description. Remember, purpose in your heart to see the original goodness in others the way God sees the original goodness in you. Love you guys. 
Dogmatically Imperfect with Justin Marson is a production of Original Goodness Media. Thanks to everyone who supports this podcast. If you want to become a supporter of the podcast, there are a couple ways to do that. If you want to support us financially, you can go to the website originalgoodness.media. The other way to support the show is to share it with others directly or by leaving a review. If you have thoughts or questions that you would like to share, please send an email to yabud at originalgoodness.media. That's Y-E-A-H-B-U-T at originalgoodness.media. Make sure to search for the show on your favorite podcast and social media platforms. Special thanks to The Real Night Terror for our theme music. See you next time.